what's that episode of Midsummer Murders where the woman from EastEnders gets killed by a cheese? You know, how do everybody know? Well, I know that episode. Great. Um, <laughs> but how do we find it? You know, there's 22 seasons of, of Midsummer Murders, 21 seasons of Midsummer Murders, you know, over 100 episodes. It's how do we find it? That's Claire Feeney, Head of Technical Operations at All3 Media International, talking about the importance of metadata for internal discoverability. You're listening to Metadata Matters podcast from Grey Meta. In this podcast series, Grey Meta talks to people working with metadata on a daily basis to understand their perspectives and learn about best practices. In particular, I will focus on how technology like machine learning and AI can help generate, curate and work with that metadata. I'm Matt Eaton, Managing Director of EMEA at Grey Meta. This week, in addition to Claire Feeney, I was joined by Sarah Nicholl, Senior Business Architect from All3 Media International. I talked to Claire and Sarah about a broad range of topics, from the multifaceted role metadata plays in rights and availabilities, to metadata as customer service and the economics of metadata and distribution. Here's the interview. My two guests this week are both from All3 Media International, the distribution arm of the global content creator. Sarah Nicholl, Senior Business Architect. Hi, Sarah. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And we have Claire Feeney, Head of Technical Operations. Hi. Hi. Great. Thank you for joining us this week. And uh, just to start with, um, Sarah, if I could ask you, just to, could you just provide a, an introduction to All3 Media for our audience, please? Yes, so All3 Media Group is the larger um, group of, I think it's nearly 30 production companies at this point. And Claire and I work for All3 Media International, which is the distribution arm of the All3 Media Group. It's a very federal model, uh, which allows the producers a lot of creative freedom. Uh, we work specifically to deliver sort of sales marketing and uh, the sort of asset delivery service on behalf of all of our producers. and sell out to clients all over the world so zdf in germany is the example i always tend to give uh, but your broadcast and your um digital platforms thank you and can you just provide a, a summary of the role metadata plays in the world of rights and availabilities so i think this is something that doesn't get discussed an awful lot in terms of rights and availabilities generally uh, within any kind of distribution business, there's an awful lot of different types of metadata. I think generally when we're talking about metadata in broadcast, we're primarily talking about technical and kind of editorial metadata. And within the distribution business, you're dealing with a lot of other kind of what you call commercial administrative data that's going on behind the scenes. And I think there's an increasing need to connect that kind of administrative data all the way down to the technical and uh, editorial metadata that we'd supply to our clients alongside the files. So the role it's going to play is in our own ability to identify con the content that we'd like to supply to our clients and find if a client has the sort of content that's doing very well, being able to connect what's doing well for them back to other content that we might have available and might be able to deliver to them uh, as well. That's kind of a very early doors thing. I think we tend to, there tends to be a bit of divide between the kind of internal commercial data and that kind of consumer focused data. So the role it's playing right now is not specifically active other than have we got what we need to deliver to our clients, which the metadata package is a very important part of, but there's a kind of increasing look at 
how else can we get that data to work for us as a business and also to work for our clients and figure out what our clients really need. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, uh, Sarah, if I could just explore that a bit further in terms of the, 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 the type of metadata that's associated, especially with availabilities, that's changing quite often, I'm guessing, right? Your, your, your windows, your, uh, you know, when it's available for different platforms. Yes, I mean, the type of availability data, it's kind of its own little realm because every distribution company will conceptualise that in a slightly different way. I mean, there are sort of broad strokes around window availability, the sort of availabilities that platforms like Google ask for in terms of when when can they put their content up on their platform. Uh, but internally, that as technology changes so quickly, the metadata about legal contracts has to scrabble to keep up very commonly because the definitions that you'd have for a certain type of legal right 10 years ago aren't so applicable when someone's coming up with a brand new way to get to get the content to market um and then the other aspect is around exactly which episode so it can get very granular um when you're talking about whether we have the right to display a certain piece of content with a certain contributor or a certain image being displayed in the background for example so it can it can be extremely layered in terms of what availability means and also every company will take a different approach because there's this it's the balance between risk and commercial opportunity and that's really what rights and availabilities is uh, at its core and that can mean everything from the actor's contribution right up to the overall kind of right in the in the in the program as a whole yeah that's that's really interesting and I, I think i think it's something that we haven't really explored enough in this podcast series so you know thank you for bringing that um up and uh you know i look forward to kind of exploring that more uh, as we as we go on uh, claire if, if i could just turn to you and ask you around the uh, you know about the the role metadata plays in terms of uh, how all three media group interacts with the content owners and, and the distribution platforms as well yeah we um i mean metadata means so much to us um and and it, it, it's one of those sort of broad ranging words um that that we use all the time so i mean we have our content stored in the cloud so we have an asset management system and of course we use metadata to find that content in our own system so we understand the value of accuracy of metadata when we're sharing it with people who've bought content from us um you know because if if the file name is incorrect or you know we think it's hd but actually it's sd you know all of these things have big knock-on effects so accuracy in metadata is really important um so so we get that because it affects our day-to-day -day job um the other part where we're sort of sharing metadata with platforms and more and more linear broadcasters, um, you know, we, we look at it in two ways. We have static metadata uh, or technical metadata, which is not going to change. It is 16.9. It is HD. Um, you know, the, the original language is English. Um, so, so we manage that in a def in a separate way. Um, to how we manage what we call editorial metadata, which is more descriptive. Um, but again, there are static bits of information within that editorial metadata. The director of episode one is the director of episode one. The synopsis is the same, 
but it could be 110 characters or 500 characters. You know, so that's where it starts to change. And those are the challenges that um, we're finding um, because currently this is a very manual process. Um, so, you know, we're, we're kind of, the, the, the solutions that people have offered us is, well, can't you get the producer to do it? Or can't you push back in the broadcaster or the, the platform does it? Ultimately, someone's got to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how we massively help out the um, production companies is we take that challenge of creating metadata. We, we manage that in-house. Is there um, an understanding there uh, with the producers about the importance of metadata? I personally don't think so. Um, they obviously have to deliver something to, I mean, they, that, so the producers manage the delivery to the UK broadcaster. Um, we don't ever get involved in that. Um, and of course, part of the DPP delivery spec requires some sort of metadata delivery. Um, the, the brilliant thing about DPP is everything is standardised. So it doesn't matter if you're delivering to ITV or Channel 5 the metadata template is the same. The challenge for international distribution is all of the linear broadcasters will have different templates. Certainly the, um, the, the AVOD platforms that we're working with have different templates. Um, so producers do not understand the challenge of international delivery uh, because to be honest, they've got it quite easy um, because it's just so organized <laughs> and um, you know, it, I mean, the DPP, I think, is a, is a wonderful thing. And Sarah, do you want to uh, comment on that as well? I think there's also a thing in terms of whether we would ever get a DPP for any other territory would be highly unlikely, I think. It's it's something, there's a lot of talk in metadata and um, even in right circles about trying to standardise rights, standardise, you know, IDA, the ISAN kind of initiatives, things like that, where you're trying to create a universal kind of language across these sort of operational lines um but part of these platforms in a uh appeal to their consumers is their unique way of presenting information and enabling their own consumers to find data so there's an element where a lot of those platforms perhaps don't want to have the same sort of information don't want to do, they don't want to do it the same way as netflix because they're trying to find a different way to appeal to the consumer and similarly, the information that we in the UK might think is appealing to a consumer could be written or displayed very, very differently by consumers in Asia, for example. They may not be interested in exactly the same things that consumers in the UK and domestic markets are interested in. So there's a big potentially cultural difference in what's important in metadata that we haven't. I don't know if that's ever been explored. Yeah, yeah, the standardisation of content discovery and how, how content is discovered in different territories may may vary on different platforms and and Claire any other sort of challenges that you see around in the world way of metadata and, and delivery to uh, distribution platforms yeah yeah there, there, there are a lot of challenges I mean you know like we're saying you know the, the lack of standardization um, it is a, a human has to do this. Um, ultimately, I mean, once you've got all of the information in a system, then potentially you could use AI or machine learning to replicate it into somebody else's um, template. 
um, I've seen a, a few things, um, demos where, where this works or it enriches the metadata. But the two challenges that I see is, firstly, a human has to do it. Therefore, there is a cost. Um, somebody has to collate all of that information and put it somewhere. Um, so whether the producer does it or the distribution company does it or somebody at the, the platform does it, it needs to be done by a person um, initially. And I think the other um, issue with it is nobody pays for it. <laughs> it's something that is really important, vital, in fact, to, to some, well, to, or to all platforms, um, but nobody is willing to pay for its creation. Um, and that's a huge challenge because it does cost money. And certainly with some of the AVOD platforms, potentially there's a very low or no license fee or minimum guarantee. There's no upfront money to cover any of these costs. All of it is sort of backend revenue. Um, so it's very difficult to get people further up the food chain in business to agree to pay a license fee for some software that's going to enable this or to pay for a couple of people to come in and do it. Um, so that they're, they're real world challenges, which I don't know how to how to conquer. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's difficult to justify the costs in terms of benefits. So, you, you, you know, it's very difficult to measure the uh, uplift that enriched metadata or a, a much your complete metadata set would have uh, compared to, uh, you know, uh, partial metadata. So, okay, yes. Absolutely, because there are so many variables in that because it might not be that the, meta the enriched metadata might be fantastic. The show might be wrong for that platform. You know, so the, it's, it's very new, isn't it? Well, we're, we're all sort of learning as we go, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Sarah, if I could just turn to you and, and ask about some of the challenges that you're seeing um, in terms of metadata management for, for rights and availabilities. I think from uh, rights and availabilities, I sort of touched on it earlier in terms of defining what is meant within a contract about what right you're granting, because there's, again, there's no universal model. Uh, there are kind of legacy models, especially within the UK business because of our kind of legacy of um, public service broadcasters that's kind of that's established some ways of analyzing and looking at rights and contractual rights um i think the other big challenge around metadata is it comes back to the historic nature of it like there's a lot of focus when you're delivering especially in distribution a lot of the focus is on front catalog it's on the last sort of three years worth of content so there's a lot of investment in time goes into the new content but then in from a rights and availabilities perspective you know every few years you see words around mining the back catalog well the back catalogs rights availabilities paperwork isn't necessarily to the same standard or quality as you got now and the same with the metadata packages available that were built created for that content 10 years ago. I don't know, Claire can probably speak to the difference. Across the board, there's an effort needed to uplift that catalogue to the same level of quality as, as sort of front catalogue, so especially in distribution. Um, and again, I think that's an area for making the case for looking at that sort of data. Uh, and in some cases, the data's just gone forever. You know, sometimes, you know, someone's looked at it and gone, well, no, we're never gonna sell that again. 
and somehow the files gotten deleted or uh, just the information's vanished from the public domain. Uh, one of the big pieces of data that's very important from a rights and availabilities perspective is the premiere dates of each episode. If you're looking at old content, that can be very hard to find. You can make an argument that is it as relevant? Do we, you know, can we make an estimated guess? And that becomes a, a big area of human judgment, which, you know, is a big part of rights and availabilities. And sort of secondarily to that, there's also in the UK, it's very relationship driven business TV in general, um, TV production specifically. And there's a lot that often sits outside contracts. And when we talk about rights and availabilities data, it's often in the you're often talking about not only pure what i call legal contractual data this is what it says on the tin in the contract but also the yeah but that client doesn't really regard that client as a competitor so they don't actually mind if we sell to them even though on paper the right would potentially conflict so there's a lot of um a lot of gray areas when you're talking about rights metadata specifically there's a big division between a legal definition, the marketplace position, and the ideas of platform exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just hope um, you know our audience understands the, the multi-dimensional nature of the the problem. Um, yes. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's not by any, any means um, restricted to all three media group. It's something oh, that no, no. industry. No has to grapple with and and it is adding new dimensions all the time um mm -hmm. and so yeah uh, thank you um so um claire just just on that topic of um, sort of time specific metadata um do you do you see any opportunities for that within um the uh, the distribution platforms that you, you you're dealing with I think there's lots of opportunities um, that, you know, there, there are lots of interesting software solutions that, that I've sort of looked at and seen, I mean, yours in particular. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's getting engagement. So stuff is interesting. There's lots of opportunities. I've got lots of ideas um, because, you know, one of, one of my main focuses, part of my job is, head of tech ops is customer service. Um, you know, we see, I see our producers as well as our buyers as customers to all three international, whether they're part of the group or not. Um, so it's it's all, for me, it's all about giving good customer service. Um, and part of that customer service is taking away some of the pain and uh, metadata is a pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, how can we, make that better for everybody what what can we do i mean like i say we've got people in the team who sit and create metadata that is their job all day every day so we've got tons of metadata also excel spreadsheets i don't think that's efficient there must be something that we can do with it to put it somewhere to make it efficient um to be able to share it with people who need it um you know because if we've sat and done it then people at the broadcasters that you know the linear broadcasters they will have people who've sat and created it as well um you know we don't sell the program to one channel in one country it goes all over the place so you know 
what can we do? There must be something. And I've got loads of ideas. I just don't know how we can make them work. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a challenge for us because we're not a broadcaster. And I think a lot of the the metadata platforms maybe are more aimed at the broadcast space than the distribution space. So for us, it's more about how can we be a transition for where it's not the producer delivering directly to the to the to the broadcaster or how can we help pass that content along to our other clients uh in the same way that that content would be passed by the producer direct to their commissioning broadcaster so it's kind of that that's where we need to be able to add value could you talk about um, some of the other considerations we should have around metadata management that's uh you know at the front of your mind at the moment yeah, I think I think one more thing to add around it is considering um, how our own implicit biases can be inherent in the in the metadata we intentionally create around content. Uh, we do have some we do have some initiatives in, internally to look at that from a kind of a, a equity, diversity, and inclusiveness perspective. But it's going to be a real challenge for distributors, broadcasters and everyone going forward because it's it's a multifaceted issue. You don't want to use language that um, excludes minorities. You don't want to use language, gendered language too heavily. Um, but at the same time, there's also you don't want to make everything just sound the same and sound bland and lose the brilliance that is in different sorts of content and lose that element of discoverability. And then the flip side of it is being aware of just, you know, there's a lot in the, in, in the media at the moment around what algorithms can do in terms of reinforcing the biases of the people who've created the algorithms and the people who are training them. Uh, you know, we know that's a massive issue. I've personally experienced that as a consumer, for example, with uh, apps like TikTok, where the algorithm will serve up things that it thinks I will like, and it's picking that base. You know, I have to work very hard to get past an app like that just serving me the same sort of content from white creators and to look for a, for a very diverse group of creators. And I think we're going to have that the same in discoverability in terms of our other content. Um, and at the same time, there's a kind of there's a big privacy element around that in terms of contributors as well. So I think that's going to be a very big challenge going forward. And I don't know how widely that's actually being discussed in terms of metadata beyond, uh, you know, in the wider industry. Yeah, yeah, and it's something I've certainly seen as well, um, and, and it's become more and more uh, of a topic um, that I, I think justifies a, a you know a separate um, yeah, yeah well a separate roundtable podcast um, episode to talk about it. Um, we've seen it uh, with regards to detecting male versus female voices in terms of. Um, you know, detecting gender bias, uh, but um, you know, I I think uh, especially with uh, archive content and 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 bringing out, um, you know, using metadata associated with content that may not have been seen for 10, 15 years, or even five years, the language used, you know, to describe that piece of content may not be entirely appropriate um, for audience today and uh... yeah i think it's also the rate of progress in terms of attitudes as you know it's it's rapidly increased uh recently i think for um 
very uh, obvious reasons, uh, but it's also that it's not increasing at the same rate around the world. So that's going to be quite difficult, I think, for broadcasters and distributors to manage. And sort of secondly, there's still that impetus within within, especially when you're marketing content or placing content or targeting an audience. Gender um, has always naturally been one of the lines along which uh, those kind of marketing insights get reported. Is that always a good thing? Right. You know, we, we don't know. So I think there's a lot of questions. You start unpicking it and go beyond gender and race. There's also neuro, neurodiversity, um, language around disability, and so on. It's a never-ending topic, but it's definitely one that needs to be explored and needs to be at the forefront of data that can have a huge impact on how decision, you know, one, if you link all of that consumer data right the way back to con to the commercial decision makers, that can have an impact all the way down the line over who's the next person who gets a commission. So we have to be really, really careful and we've got a duty of care for our creative talent to make sure that we're doing the right thing by their content as well as for the audience. Yeah, such an important topic. And thank you for raising it, Sarah. This is great. Thank you. Claire, if I could ask you, um, what, what use cases for metadata uh, excites you about 2021? Um, I mean, I, I can't sort of speak for anyone outside of All3 International. But, you know, my ideas for International are to, so we have a, an internal screening portal which enables all of the sales team across the, the three sites um, to screen any content. So whether it's brand new or, you know, a 10 year old episode of Hollyoaks, it's all on there to be screened. However, what we, all we have on there is a, is a file name, a series number and an episode number, which is fine if you know what you're looking for. But um, my, my example that I always use is, What's that episode of Midsummer Murders where the woman from EastEnders gets killed by a cheese? You know, how do everybody know? Well, I know that episode. Great. Um, <laughs> but how do we find it? You know, there's 22 seasons of, of Midsummer Murders, 21 seasons of Midsummer Murders. You know, over 100 episodes. It's how do we find it? So on my sort of the internal screening portal, if you want to sort of hover over the video and like Sarah says, you know, the bio pops up or, you know, a, a synopsis or the cast pop up, you're going to find it. I think that would be, I mean, you know, it's a really, really, really nice to have. Um, but, you know, not everyone can see the benefit of spending loads of money and time and effort doing that. The other thing which does have a benefit um, this is really early stages of thinking, is um, when we deliver content to our buyers, we still deliver all the paperwork, scripts and music cue sheets and, and all of the information that the buyers need, the broadcasters need. Um, what I think would be awesome, if we have all the metadata sat somewhere and then we can embed a link in that email that we send with all of the paperwork attached to it, and it says, pull metadata from here. It comes out in a very generic Excel spreadsheet, you basically get what you're given. But I think broadcasters would be like, hallelujah, thank you, somebody. They can cut and paste and put it into their own templates, but it's there, it's collated. They're not through the script to find out 
who the main cast are, who the producer is, who the writer was, for every single episode, because the writer is not the same person on every single episode of a drama series. Um, you know, so it, it's all of these things. And I just think that would be another awesome nice to have, but that is sort of my the pinnacle of customer service, I think. Cool. Sarah, do, do, do you have any thoughts of um, uses of metadata that you'd like to see in the future? So I think in terms of what we'd like to see is is getting more data, getting data back from our partners as well. So we can, you know, we sort of talked about whether the metadata is good and enriched or not, but also looking at the quality of our metadata. So how discoverable is our content really, you know, across the board, actually, you know, how easy is it for buyers in Brazil to find our content on whatever channel or platform it's actually on? Uh, so I think there's something around that. Uh, in terms of discoverability. Uh, I think going back to Claire's point around internal discoverability of wh where's the cheese, then linking that back to avails as well. So, okay, I've got this episode. How easy is it for me to get from this episode back to whether it's available for my client or not, if you're an internal salesperson? So there's always something around internal discoverability. Picking up on your point about internal discoverability, this is a theme we've heard before in some of these podcast episodes um, we had uh, Arrow International Media recently talking about, um, you know, the fact that their remote editors found it more difficult to find clips. And so enriched metadata was needed uh, to help them um, plug that gap. Corporate memory, in a way, has suffered uh, because of the uh, uh, lockdown. I, I wonder if you've got any comments on that. I think it's not just because we were all in the office together i think it's also because of the size of companies so all three media internationals been incredibly lucky well it worked incredibly hard i'm going to say it's not it's not down to luck it's a lot of hard work to get to where we are now in terms of growth but that does mean the company's a lot bigger and there's a lot of content that people just aren't familiar with because they weren't there when it came into the company in the first place so the kind of court it's not just the corporate memory but it's also the scale and going from a smaller to a larger company um also with the changing landscape of the distribution market there's been so many consolidations um over the last 10 years and i think more i think it's happening again at the moment uh that you're depending on how those workforces are merged or not the familiarity with the content just isn't there so we've seen that in the past when we've uh, acquired certain catalogues and things where understanding and knowing that catalogue there has to be a real concerted effort to get to know this new back catalogue even though it's qu quite old content in some cases um, and anyone new coming into the business it's not front and centre so there's probably some people in all three who are fairly new who don't even know that particular episode exists for example so I think I think there is this space between for businesses not knowing what they have um, and I think you'd see a lot of kind of rights and licensing consultancies around going we can help you create value from your catalogue but there's a lot within uh, companies like ours where it's about managing the knowledge we have or getting it out of people's heads and making it explicit and that's another type of metadata that isn't as easy to systemize uh, because it's about the connections and the synthesis between different sides of the business and different ways of thinking about content so there's going to be things that like oh yes I love this from this Monty Don episode because Monty does this and xyz um, and other people in the business are going to be all about what's going on with Gogglebox and um, 
uh, you know, the latest Gordon Ramsay. Claire, did you have anything to add to that? Or... Um, you know, well, there's consolidation, like Sarah said, and, and you, how do you find that information out? You just, it's it's new, it's it's something you've got to learn. How do you learn it? Can't watch, you know, a 3,000 hour catalogue that you've just bought and have an encyclopedic knowledge of it. So how do you do it? And I, I think it's small steps, um, you know, to get people to engage with it. I think engagement is is a big issue that I certainly have um, because there's huge value in metadata and people don't recognise it, um, you know, and, and trying to get people engaged through monetization is is one way. But if if the money that you get at the end isn't a huge amount, then you lose that engagement that I, I think, you know, the way that I'm trying to promote metadata within all three is customer service. And, um, you know, because you can't put a price on customer on good customer service, um, you know, because, we're, you know, we're, we're working platforms and some of the money is all right and some of it's not great. But, you know, who, who knows where that might lead to? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a different angle data is um is also worth exploring sarah anything to add to that how you place a value on the data in your business and i think there are some sorts of companies in the world that obviously know how to do that and are doing that very very well but a lot of more you know we are in some ways a more traditional industry our value is in our content our value is in our contracts and on our files it's not necessarily our data but actually we you know i think there's a bit of a mindset change that needs to happen um, and I think it's happening. I, you know, there's a you know the, the the amount of times that machine learning and, and AI talk comes up as Claire's probably noticed more than me over the years is the drumbeat of it being talked about is much more insistent now than it was five years ago. Right. So, you know, is there a sea change and a signal change? Um, and COVID, the way the world works, has put more of a focus on remote working and needing to be able to do things without being in the office, which I think then pulls on that data about things. I think the other challenge is also about how you present and share the data mm. as well, what it what it actually looks like as a human, because you can end up in, you know, if you're in management, if you're just working ordinarily in any company, you are drowning in data and information and notifications and stuff about stuff all the time. Understanding and being able to interrogate data is its own set of skills that if you're all about personal selling or all about finance you're not necessarily looking at it in the same way depending on your kind of function within the business you won't necessarily have engaged with either managing interrogating or looking at data in the way that someone from it or someone from the fintech world will have for example so i think there's a big there's a big challenge there because otherwise because people feel overwhelmed by it yeah yeah great well thank you very much i i I think we've almost coming up to time now so but um uh, sarah and claire thank you so much for joining uh the metadata matters uh, podcast this week thank you thank you very much for having us thank you bye-bye you can subscribe to the metadata matters podcast at spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts 
If you'd like to find out more about generating enriched time-specific metadata or Graymeta's Curio platform, visit graymeta.com or email me at metadatamatters, one word, at graymeta.com. See you next time.